being here with us on Father's Day. And a special welcome to all the dads, expectant dads, desiring to be dads here today. We're grateful for you and and the gift that you are. Go ahead and find your seats. Today we were scheduled to continue on in our study on the book of Acts. However, as I began to study Acts, there was this, this nagging sense, this nagging desire to not finish the book of Acts. It's not because I don't love the book of Acts and not because I don't want to finish. I'm, I'm looking forward to that, looking forward to finishing the book of Acts. After we finish the book of Acts, we'll be moving on to the book of 1 Samuel. So just to let you know what's coming next as a church. Pete, is everything okay with this? Do I need to keep talking? I know the sound guys are working stuff out, so thank you. We were meeting together with our care group last Wednesday night, talking about the message that we heard at Renew and who we are in Christ. At that very moment, a young man entered into a Bible study at Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church and and spewed racist rhetoric and killed nine fellow believers. Reading through the, the accounts of the act of hatred and, the, and that the perpetrator intended to cause race riots through his actions this weekend. And so as I was preparing for today, I think that God was leading me to change what I was preaching on from Acts for us to talk about what we believe about race and our identity in Christ and, and, and really thinking how time it was that we spent all last weekend focusing on who we are in Christ. And so there's going to be a lot of overlap from that and from that last weekend to today's message. The first session of last week we heard from 2 Corinthians 5.17 and Galatians 6.15 that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus and that's meant to inform our identity and everything that we do. And the, in the second message we, we heard that we are, really we are justified in Christ Jesus, that he is married to us and he takes on all of our debt and we take on all of his righteousness. And then in the third session we delved into the wonderful truth That in Christ we are adopted sons of God, fully heirs of God. And that we've been given all that Christ has been given. And that one day we will receive the full inheritance that that belongs to Jesus. And we heard about that scandalous truth. And then in the fourth sermon we focus on that we are God's own true people. That we're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation set apart for his purposes that we're to declare the excellencies of him who's called us out of darkness and into light and all of those truths that we explored last week, they speak to who we are in Christ Jesus and the glorious realities that are ours in and through the good news about Jesus that we place our faith in. As we closed the last session last Sunday, we, we, the last application point we looked at is who you are is to proclaim God's excellencies. You are who you are to proclaim God's excellencies. And thinking about this morning, I think that's God leading us, preparing us ahead of time. We didn't realize what would occur. And yet God leading us to say, we need to to focus on where our true identity is in Christ Jesus. And that it's meant to be seen in, in, in how we speak and what we do and how we interact with others around us. And so... Before we begin, I want to pray that God would speak to all of us and he would use us all as his image bearers to carry his message of reconciliation through the gospel. And as we were worshiping this morning, I was 
a scripture, it's not on your overheads, but it's impressed on me. You can turn there if you'd like for just a moment and then we'll pray. It's in Luke 4.18. Jesus stood up in the midst of the temple and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And all of us were poor. It says, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. All of us were captives. And then he continued saying, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who were oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I was thinking this morning that we were all captive. We were all blind. We were all oppressed. And now we proclaim the year of the Lord's favor in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we, we mourn, as Aaron said, with those who mourn in Charleston. The, the church in Charleston mourns the losses of a pastor, friend, father, mother, brother, sister, sons, daughters. God, we, we mourn along with them and we mourn the violent act of hatred that was committed against them. We mourn the effects of fallen humanity and sin. God, we grieve with the families who are left behind and we groan inwardly waiting, God, the consummation of all things in Jesus Christ. Father God, we ask you this morning for mercy for those, the families of those who were killed. God, I ask you for your sustaining grace and for your empowering Holy Spirit to, to strengthen your people, to continue to reflect your image accurately, God, as they've already begun to do. God, we thank you that you promised that all those who die in you will not be put to shame and that those who die in you will be with you in your presence forever. God, for all of us, help us learn from this. Help us, enable us to grow from this. Enable us to, to be salt and light in the world. And God, we ask that you'd use this, this terrible act of hatred to spread your message of love and reconciliation through your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in your great name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Well, as Aaron mentioned, our role as pastors is as a fellow member of the body of Christ to come alongside you and to equip you. And so this morning, it's our hope, my aim is to help equip you. How do we deal with issues of race and ethnicity? How do we address things around us? Do we just act as if they don't exist we act as if differences don't exist we act as if there's not different ethnicities do we act as as if we are not affected by those things and I, and I don't believe that's how as Christians were to respond we're not to be passive we're not to be silent we're not to sit back idly and I want to, want to share some foundational truths some biblical truths about the identity of all of humanity really that that we must champion as a church when it comes to issues of race or ethnicity. And the first foundational truth that we need to start with as believers when we're thinking about issues of race and ethnicity is that every ethnic group is made in the image of God. Every ethnic group is made in the image of God. Before you start any discussion, we have to start there. In the very first chapter of the Bible in Genesis 1.27 God informs us in, in who he created humanity to be prior to the fall. And it says in Genesis 1.27, so he created man, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 
God, the creator, designed us to reflect and to image him. All of creation images, all of God, creation as God's people images God. We were created higher than the animals. We were created as a different order. And all of mankind was meant to define his identity and God as his image bearer. But at the, at the very beginning, at the very outset, instead of finding our identity in God and who he made us to be, Satan came in and tempted man to, to want to replace God, to become God. And so there was a, an idolatry of, of identity, really, an idolatry of wanting to become something that really God had already made him in his image. He already had everything. And yet pride was at the very heart of the fall of mankind, wanting to take pride in, in who he was, not who he was created to be. And so in Acts 17, we see as well, not only is man created in God's image, Luke records the Apostle Paul's speech to the Athenians in the Areopagus. The Athenians were known to boast about the fact that they sprang up from the soil kind of on their own, that they weren't like every other ethnic people around them. They weren't immigrants. They didn't come from anywhere else. And, and so Paul is addressing them uniquely as we studied in the book of Acts a few months ago. And so Paul gives us another truth that points back to this biblical truth and helps us understand it even better. And in Acts 17, 26, Paul tells them, these people who thought they were ethnically superior to others like the barbarians and Scythians, he tells them, and he made one from one man every nation of mankind. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. So it was that man was created in God's image and that every nation, and that word for nation there is ethnos, it's ethnicity, every ethnicity, every ethnically different nation was made from one man. And Paul was speaking there of the essential unity of mankind as an image bearer. That we're all equally image bearers. We're all equally to sin. There's no, no right of superiority. We didn't spring up on our own. We were all from the same clay, all from the same man. And he was confronting an ethnic pride that and saying that despite what they thought, God made every kind of ethnicity from one man. So you put those two things together, Acts and Genesis, and it's clear. It's clear that every ethnic group, every nation was, was made in the image of God. And all of us came from one common human father. So no matter how rich or how poor, no matter the color of our skin, the size and the shape of our stature, where we come from originally, to what language we speak, no matter... The education we've received, whether we're male or female, we're, we're made equally in the likeness of God. And that's an important truth for us to begin with. Whenever we think of the people around us who are different than us, whenever we see somebody in the car beside us and we make assumptions about them because of the way they look. We're all image bearers of God and we're meant to seek after God. We can all think and reason and feel and, and make moral judgments because we're all made in God's image. And so because we hold the, the truth is God's word and who he created us to be, we have to clearly say no to any ethnic pride. And I want us to say no to, to even the, the subdivisions in ethnic pride. 
Let's say no to bragging about our ancestry. Let's say no to bragging about where we came from. Yes, we can appreciate our heritage. Yes, we can appreciate the differences. Yes, we can acknowledge that we're different. We look different. We act different. We came from different places. But let's say no to any sense of pride or superiority that would seek to elevate one ethnicity, no matter how jokingly above another. Let's begin there. Every ethnic group is made in the image of God. And there's a second foundational biblical truth about the identity of all humanity that we have to champion as a church when it comes to questions of of ethnicity. And that's that every ethnic group is equally sinful and is only justified by grace through Jesus Christ. Every ethnic group, every human on the planet is equally sinful. And we're all only justified by grace in Jesus Christ. In Romans, Paul was correcting the notion that being born a Jew made, made you better. You know, after all, weren't the Jews God's chosen people? Weren't they set apart? Weren't they distinct from every other ethnicity, ethnos, every other nation around them? Weren't they separate? And Paul corrects that notion and says, you're separate, but not because of your genetic heritage, And so in Romans 3, 9, Paul writes, he says, Are we Jews any better off? Not at all. He says, For we've already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, and that's a broad brush term he's using there for Greeks, it's anyone who's not a Jew, are under sin. We are all both under sin. As is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Before you begin to think that you're better than someone else, we need to start there and say that all of us, none of us are, are, have any worth on our own. All of us have become worthless on our own. No one does good, not even one. We, we don't understand. No one is righteous. And we, really, we have to think that way when we think about the basis for how we interact with other ethnicities. Not even God's chosen people in the Old Testament had any righteousness on their own by their birth. It was really because they were children of the promise. We're all equally born with a corrupted, sinful nature. We're all equally in need of God's grace. But the good news is that we can be justified by God's grace. And in fact, a few verses later in Romans 3.22, Paul says, For there is no distinction between Jews and everybody else. There's no distinction. Let there be no distinction for us. There's no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. All of us are justified by the same propitiating blood of Jesus Christ, the same blood that his blood alone turns away the wrath of the Father. And all of us are justified as a gift through him. All of us come the same way. We don't receive this gift by merit. We don't receive this gift by the way we look or education, how smart we are, because we're superior anyway. We receive this free gift by God's grace. And so because we hold the truth of God's word and that we have justification in him alone and his grace alone, let's clearly say no to any merit before God or mankind based on any ethnic distinction. Amen? Any merit we have in the sight of God comes only from Jesus Christ. 
And then I want to share a third foundational biblical truth for equipping us to how to think about our identity that we have to champion as a church when it comes to questions of ethnicity. And that, that our identity in Christ is, it transcends any, any ethnic or social division. It's not that ethnic and social divisions don't exist. Take a second, just look around. Seriously, just look around. I want you to turn your heads, look around in the church here. There are differences. That's good. There are differences that brings glory to God. There are different social statuses in this room. There's different color of skin. There are different ages. But our identity in Christ, as we heard last weekend, it transcends. It's greater than any ethnic or social division. We were taught from 2 Corinthians 5, 15 through 17, last Friday night. Let's read the scripture together. Let's reflect back on it. In 2 Corinthians 5, 15 and 17, we were told, And he died for all, speaking of Jesus, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, listen closely, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Are you regarding anyone according to the flesh? Do you have a temptation to regard other people according to the flesh and use categories like them and they when you refer to groups of people, different ethnicities? It says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh or human means we regard him thus no longer therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old has passed away behold the new has come jesus died for all in order that those of us who live for him might no longer live for ourselves but live to to bear the image of the firstborn of this new creation you see jesus wasn't from even the Jewish race. He wasn't from the human race. He created humanity and he stepped down to become like mankind, to be born into a different ethnicity. He came to take on flesh that he might rescue all of humankind and every tongue and tribe and nation might find new life in him. He came to replace the old fallen order. What does it mean that that we are a new creation. It means that he came to, to replace this old fallen creation, this old fallen order, so that we'd be part of a new creation that's found righteous in him. And that's the basis for all of us, right? All of us need the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and all of us are only found righteous in him, in the new creation, this new human race in Christ Jesus. And so every person who trusts in Jesus is equally a new creation, no longer relating to each other based on external differences, no longer, as he says, regarding each other according to the flesh. And then in Galatians 3.27, we learned as well as past weekend, it says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Think about putting on, we, we learned about putting on the imagery of putting on Christ like we put on clothing. And that new clothing, that new external identity is not primarily to be identified by outward uh, appearances, by Jew or Greek, it says, it says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, 
heirs according to promise. We are all united by the promise that's come through Jesus Christ and that we put on Christ as our new identity and we say no to having those other things as our primary identity, whether that be issues of race or social structure. He's addressing race with Jews and Gentiles. He's addressing social structure. He's addressing gender identity with male and female. He says all of those things take second place to our identity that we put on in Jesus Christ. So all of us who are heirs, not according to our ethnicity, but according to the promise made to Abraham through his seed that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. 1 Peter 2.9, we're taught, but you were a chosen race. Let there exist no racism. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. We don't even belong to ourselves anymore. We've been bought out of the people that we came from and we've been bought into his new people. And our affiliation as God's race is meant to supersede any other racial affiliation. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to him and our primary identity is to be all about him. And because of that, let's affirm that we must never treasure any distinction, any ethnic, any gender, any any social identifier more than we treasure our new identity in Christ. And let us ask ourselves, do we treasure our identity, our background, our color of our skin? Do we we treasure our social status, our upbringing? Do we treasure any of those things more than we treasure our identity in Christ? Well, let's affirm that we will set aside that and we'll treasure our identity in Jesus more. And let's also affirm that our allegiance is to Jesus Christ and we are a new people in him. We're his new race. And we're not going to allow any allegiance to be placed above him. You know, let's not pledge allegiance to the country. Let's pledge allegiance to Jesus. I'm not saying that it's wrong to be a part of this nation. I'm grateful for the nation. I do pledge allegiance to the flag. But we pledge our utmost allegiance, no higher allegiance to Jesus. And the fourth foundational truth that we want to equip, be equipped with is that we must champion that we've been called to make disciples of every ethnicity. That the, great, the great commission that we've been given in Matthew 28, it's a commission to go to every different nation. It's the same word that Paul used when he said nations, ethnos, ethnicities, every different ethnic group. And so in Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, of all different ethnic groups. Baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Jesus has been given all authority from God over all of heaven and earth. And so, he has authority to transcend any national or ethnic distinction. He has authority to transcend any national or ethnic distinction. And he calls us to make disciples of every ethnic group. And the gospel is equally for every nation and all nations that come under the authority of Jesus Christ. And ethnic diversity in the church, it glorifies God. And we see that in Ephesians 3, beginning of verse 8, Paul writes that he was given grace, he says, to preach to the Gentiles, to the people who are not Jews, to different nations, the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone was the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church 
the manifold wisdom. And that, that word for manifold, the, the original word there, it, it really means the, the multicolored, the multi-variety of colorful wisdom of God might now be made known. Paul was commissioned to preach to the nations of the Gentiles to, to bring the mystery of the ages to light for everyone that, that this multicolored wisdom of God is seen in a church that's made up of Jews and Gentiles, all the nations of the earth. Not only is the manifold wisdom of God displayed in multi-ethnic church in heaven, we can read in Revelation 5 that God's going to be glorified. He's going to be praised specifically for making a people for himself from every Nation. There's that word again, every different ethnicity. Revelation 5 9, we have a vision of Jesus being worshiped. John wrote in Revelation 5 9, he says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you. Why is he worthy to take the scroll? It says, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open his seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Couldn't be more explicit. And he continues on to say, and you have made them, all of them, every tribe and language and people and nation, you have made them a kingdom and priests who are God, and they shall reign on the earth. When you think of other ethnic groups, when you think of other languages and other nations and other tribes, do you think of them as being fellow priests? Do you think of each other as being a kingdom that we, we jointly will reign on the earth? As a church body, we must affirm that we're going to seek out people from every nation, every ethnicity around us, so we can be faithful to obey Christ's command and make disciples from every nation. And let's commit to not avoiding or ignoring people who don't look like us or may not come from the same background of us. Instead, we have to deliberately seek people from every nation and tongue and tribe to make disciples of Jesus and so bring glory to him. Once you ask yourself, do I do that? Do I go to people who don't look like me, don't speak like me, may not come from the same background as me, maybe from a different place than I am? Am I going to the nations all around me? The fifth foundational truth that we want to equip you with is that we must champion, when it comes to questions of race or ethnicity, we must champion that all believers in Jesus from every ethnic group are members not only of his new race, but remembers of the same body. And that's very vivid imagery. Paul uses vivid imagery to say that we're members of the same body. Look at your own body. We, it, it's absurd to think about different members being cut off from the body, surviving on their own, and, and we're, we're given that same kind of tight-knit body imagery because we're, we're meant to, to receive nourishment from each other. In Colossians 3, we read, it says, Seeing that you've put off the old self with his practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. You hear that, that same language that we're made in the image of God being restored, the new self in Jesus Christ, that same language all the way from Genesis through Acts, all the way through. You see this beautiful imagery. It says, we put off the old self this practice, put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian and slave and free, 
but Christ is all and in all. Differentiating based on ethnic groups or external distinctions is part of the old self, is what Paul is saying. That's part of the old self that we've, we've put off, that's been crucified with Christ, that we've died to. And the part of the new self is putting on our new identity that's found in him that that says there's neither Jew or Greek or circumcised or uncircumcised, but, but Christ is all and is in all. No longer distinctions of the body should be seen as divisive. No longer should educational divisions or societal divisions or class divisions create divisions in the body of Christ, but now Christ is our all and in all. And let us put on Christ. Not only that, in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, we can learn, it says, for just as one, there's one body is one and and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. This Christ that we put on. It says, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. What is he saying there? He's saying the same thing. He's saying that, that every ethnic and social background makes up the body of Christ. This diverse membership makes up one body. We all have one Holy Spirit that we share. And that we're all baptized in one body. We all drink of the same Holy Spirit. We all drink from the same cup. We all eat of the same flesh. And then Paul goes on to write a few verses later that we all need the different members of the parts of the body from all different backgrounds, as he just mentioned. 1 Corinthians 12, 20. He says, as it is, there are many parts, reflecting back to Jews and Greeks, slave and free, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. The African-American hand cannot say to the white foot that it doesn't need it. The Korean leg can't say to the Brazilian arm it doesn't need it, whether red or yellow or black or white. Each part of the body is indispensable. We can't say that we don't need different people in the body of Christ or that we don't need to fellowship with them. I pray that one day our body may more accurately reflect the body of Christ in its diversity. Not only remember the same body though, the, the imagery is rich. All believers in Jesus from every ethnic group remembers the same body. And, and we see that in, in other languages used and remembers the same family too. It's a, it's a close relationship that we have as brothers and sisters. And we ended last weekend with a, a scripture, 1 John 3, 1. And, and John wrote, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. God has loved us so much and sent his only son, and, and Jesus took our place, laying down his life for us, predestining us for adoption as God's children. So we've been loved by God, and he's called us, and he's made us his children, and we're all members of the same body as a family, sitting around Christ's banquet table. I love the imagery that John Piper shared when he's talking about issues of identity in Christ. He says, in other words, if our identity as human persons created in the image of God is greater than all ethnic distinctives, 
then our identity as reborn children of God is even greater still than all ethnic differences. I would put it like this, and I love the way it puts it, the glory of our family likeness in Christ is as much greater than our ethnic differences. Did you get that? The glory of our family likeness in Christ is as much greater than our ethnic differences as the ocean is greater than a thimble. Sure, we have ethnic differences. That's the thimble. The ocean of our family likenesses is greater than any of those ethnic differences. The ocean of the truth that we have, that we are one in Christ Jesus, is greater than any any distinctives, any thimble-like distinctives. In response to God the Father's great love, freely given, we affirm that we value the diversity of the body of Christ and let's be committed to pursuing a united body of Christ made up of many different ethnicities in our own local body. And let each of us make it our goals to pursue people who are not like us so we can benefit from every kind of member. Can I get your commitment to that? I'm asking. Can we hear your commitment? Say yes if you agree. You see, Jesus is exalted and glorified as he uses us to bring a people to himself from every tongue and tribe and nation coming together equally in him through one body. Until that final day that we're called to manifest Jesus in the earth by how we relate to each other in this sixth and final foundational truth about our identity that we're gonna share that we have the champion as a church is that we're called to love and care for everyone in the body intentionally. We're called to love and care for everyone in the body intentionally. Ethnic differences remain. We're not dumb. We're not blind. But, but let us see those as, as the, the different facets on a diamond. They just reflect, different facets reflect the beauty of the sun differently. When, when you shine the light of the sun through a prism, it's reflected in a rainbow of colors. And it, and it shows the greater beauty of the sunlight that shines down on us. When you put a prism up to the sun, you can see the beauty of the sun that it's not just monocolored, it's multicolored. And so we don't ignore differences, but we don't let them divide us. We're one in Christ, and the differences in our culture and backgrounds, they're meant to display the glory and grace of God like a diamond sparkling in the sun or like a prism lighting up all the different colors, just glorifying the light that shines on them. We learn in, in Corinthians 12, 24, it says, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. That's, that's why I'm preaching this this morning. If one member suffers, We all suffer together. Let's suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Let's equally rejoice together when different ethnic groups are honored. And let's do the honoring ourselves. And we're not to be divided in the body of Christ in our local family to have the same care for each other, Paul tells us. We're to suffer alongside other members that suffer, to rejoice when someone else is honored Colossians, we also learn that because of our identity, our very life is hidden with Christ and God, and so we're put on the characteristics of our new creation in Christ, our new identity. So Colossians 3, verse 3, and then continuing in 12 to 17, says, For you have died, 
We've died to this old created order. We've died to our fallen human nature that elevates our own identity above God. And, and we've died to that. Now our life is hidden with Christ in God. He says in verse 12, Put on then as, Christ, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion. That's how we're to treat each other. Kindness. Humility. That speaks to not thinking that we're better than anybody else. Meekness. Patience. You know, when different ethnic groups get together, sometimes it requires patience. When people from different backgrounds get together and different preferences get together, sometimes it requires humility, meekness, kindness, and patience. He says, because we've died, we're to put on as God's chosen ones these things. He's bearing with one another, verse 13. And if one has a complaint against another, what should we do? He says, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And let's express our gratitude too, by the way. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and monitoring each other in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, speaking of all these things, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Not in our own names, but in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Because we're all God's chosen ones and our, and our life is with Christ. We've been set apart in love by God. We're to put on Christ's nature, treat each other with kindness and gentleness and humility and meekness and patience. This new nature calls for that. This new creation, this new identity that we put on. You know, we're going to offend each other. We're going to say offensive things unknowingly. You might have already done that. In fact, you might have been trying to say the right thing and said something that offended somebody else. And somebody else has now offended you. Now you're offended them. Let's agree to say, you know what? We're going to set aside those offenses and seek to understand each other. We're going to seek to be meek and gentle and humble and patient because we're going to get it wrong. We're going to get it wrong. We're going to, have, we're going to, we're going to mean well and, and try to understand people that don't look like us and act like us, but we're going to get it wrong. So let's have meekness and humility and kindness. And let the word of Christ dwell in us richly to teach us and admonish. And let's do all of that for the glory and thanks to God the Father who has made us a new creation in him. Instead of finding peace in our own com- or comfort in our own circles, let's let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts and let's go and make peace. All this is because we have life in Jesus Christ. We've been forgiven, we've been loved, we've been adopted, we've been made his own, all by a grace that none of us deserved. This is not about earning favor, by the way. This is, this is in humility saying, we've, we've been given the favor of God, we've been made his adopted children, he's given us his new nature, he's made us a new identity, he has saved us so that there's no longer these distinctions. He's made us a new creation so that we now find our identity in him and our image is to be found in him. And so let's, change the way we think let's change the way we act towards each other out of worship to God saying God none of us deserve your mercy and grace and love but we are all equally recipients of your grace by faith and so by grace by faith we step out and say that we're not going to do those things that we've done in the past we're not going to use language that we've used in the past we're not going to talk about groups of people 
We're going to treat each other as if we're relating to Jesus and to God's own children. We're going to treat each other as if we are those who are equally found righteous in Christ alone. Second Corinthians 5.18, it's, it's the last scripture and then just a couple more minutes here, bear with me. Second Corinthians 5.18, he says, all of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against him and entrusting to us, what? The message of, we have a ministry of reconciliation, we have a message of reconciliation, and that's why we're declaring that this morning. This is therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. We're not ambassadors for our different groups. We're ambassadors for Christ. It says God making his appeal through us We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled for God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's because he has made us righteous in him that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We've been given the great message of reconciliation, the gospel. You know, the act of murder that was committed this past Wednesday night, it was meant to divide, right? All, he, the, 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 the guy who killed those nine fellow believers, he, he said he did it to create race riots. And after all, all sin divides and separates. When we find our identity in anything other than God and who God's made us to be, it separates from the very beginning of Genesis. It's a separated man from God. It separates us from one another. But God sent his sons, so we may no longer be divided or separated but so we might be one in Jesus Christ. And everyone who's Christians now have been commissioned as ambassadors for Christ. So let me ask you, are you an ambassador for Christ? Are you, are you seeing yourself as one who's called to go to different nations right where you're at? Different ethnicities. Do you realize you have a ministry of reconciliation? How are we carrying out? And I, that's a question for me too, for all of us. It was convicting to me. Am, am I carrying out the ministry of reconciliation I've been given? And am I, and am I preaching a, a, a message of reconciliation in Christ Jesus? Let's be committed to not allowing ourselves to belittle or disparage people who are not like us. Let's not indulge in, in any ethnic or racial slurs or jokes. Let's treat each person we encounter as equal image bearers of God. Let's go out of our way to show love and care and tenderness and kindness to Christians of all different backgrounds. And let's seek to understand to make disciples of Christ from every nation. And, and just as a, an aside, as you're seeking to understand people, it's best done face-to-face. Let's, let's not have these discussions in social media spaces. Let's not correct people via email or text messages. Or, that's not a way to understand. That's not a way to relate. That's not a way to, to seek to love, to be meek and humble and kind let's have meekness and humility and kindness let's seek to understand and let's seek to reflect the multifaceted wisdom and glory of god and what we display you know two days ago i was thinking about the message of forgiveness that we've been given it was put on display so brightly on friday there was an arraignment of the man who murdered 
the loved ones of, of those who appeared on the arraignment via video and they expressed their hurt and their grief. But then they did something really strange. It, it was like finding a rare gem in the midst of mud. They, they did something strange. They expressed their forgiveness and the desire that the murderer might repent and come to Jesus. One of the daughters of the murdered, Ethel Lance, she said through tears, and it was hard to listen to, she says, I'll never be able to hold her again. But I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. But God forgives you and I forgive you. That only takes place because of the love of God, the transforming grace of God. Felicia Sanders, the mother of the victim, Wanza Sanders and, and herself, she was a survivor of the church shooting herself. So she pretended that she was, that she says, I, I, sorry, every fiber in my body hurts and I will never be the same. And that's true. But may God have mercy on you. Yesterday I reread um, a letter from a Birmingham jail that Martin Luther King Jr. wrote back in 1963, just 52 years ago. And I encourage you all to read it if you haven't read it before. It's like 16 pages. It's one of the most beautifully written letters for why we should stand up against social injustice and racism. And he says, there was a time when the church was very powerful. In the time when the early Christians rejoiced at being deemed worthy to suffer for what they believed. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion. It was a thermostat that transformed the mores of society. Whenever the early Christians entered a town, the people in power became disturbed and immediately sought to convict Christians for being disturbers of the peace. But the Christians pressed on in the conviction that they were a colony of heaven, called to obey God rather than men. Small in number, they were big in commitment. They were too God-intoxicated they were too God intoxicated. I was thinking about that. Is that. Are we too God intoxicated? I don't think we can be. Are we too God intoxicated, he says, to be astronomically intimidated? By their effort and example, they brought an end to such ancient evils as infanticide and gladiatorial contests. Things are different now. So often the contemporary weak church is a weak, ineffectual voice with an uncertain sound. So often it's an arch defender of the status quo, far from being disturbed by the presence of the church, the power structure of the average community is consoled by the church's silent and often ever even vocal sanction of things as they are. May that not be said of us. May we not be silent. May we not be in a weak and effectual voice, but may we speak out with the message of reconciliation that we've been given, the powerful message of the gospel that breaks through every barrier Let's seek to be ambassadors of reconciliation that whose witness is shining to a, a watching world. Let's treat every member of the church as brothers and sisters in Christ, as fellow members of the family of God. Let's not tolerate racial or ethnic division. Tolerating those things is to say the gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't really change. It doesn't really transform. And that's blasphemous. To tolerate racism is to say the love of Christ is not compelling. 
But the love of Christ is compelling. It compels us, it controls us. Let's remember who we are in Christ. Well, may we love those not like us because Christ loved us when we are definitely not like him. He wasn't from our race and yet he came into our race. He, be, he began a new race, not founded on ethnicity, but, but founded on promise. And may we forgive because the creator's forgiven us. May we exercise humility because Christ humbled himself. May we put aside our pet causes and stop trying to justify ourselves and our positions and our biases. And, and then let's take action. Let's speak up against violence and hatred and call to speak up for the name of Christ. And then it may require that we lay down some of our privileges because Jesus laid down his privileges for us. He had every privilege with God the Father and it says he laid aside all of those rights and privileges to come and rescue us. Let's seek to do the same. Let's redeem this evil act for God's good purposes now by not allowing for division but instead bringing unity in Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we wouldn't just assent, we would not just agree, but God, I pray that you would stir us, that you would stir us to not be okay with the status quo, to not be okay with being divided. Lord, I pray that you would stir us with a a holy and righteous desire to see people from every tongue and tribe and nation come to you, God. I pray that you would stir us with this ministry of reconciliation. I pray that you would provoke us to change. I I pray that you, Lord, you would would grant us the gift of repentance where we need to repent, where we've had evil ideas of, of separation from different ethnicities, Lord, or different barriers, where we've excused those things with a an evil interpretation of the Bible. Lord, I pray that you would enable those to repent. And God, I I pray that we would glorify you. God, give us words that we can humbly declare your grace, your goodness, your love, your promises that are all in you. God, I pray that you would help us reflect and image you, your new creation, accurately and help us put on the new creation that we are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, uh, we don't have any music closed today and um, we'll just close with that and you may be dismissed. Have a good Father's Day. I'd encourage you to maybe ignite some discussions, talk about some things and where you might be having some differences. And so may God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, give you peace. Amen. You're dismissed.